From the fourth chapter of Luke, verses 14 through 30. Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee. And he began to teach in the synagogues. Word about him spread throughout all the country. And he was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom, and stood up to read. He was given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled it and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were upon him. And he said to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. And they said to one another, Is this not Joseph's son? And Jesus said, Doubtless you will say to me, Doctor, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown the things we have heard you did in Capernaum. But truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. The truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over the entire land. But Elijah was not sent to one of them, but to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And likewise, in the time of the prophet Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel, but not one of them was cleansed except for Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, they were, members of the synagogue were enraged, and they got up and drove him out of town and led him to the brow of a high hill on which the town was built, intending to throw him over the cliff. But he walked through the midst of them, and went on his way. 
the word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you. My name is Justin LaRosa. For those of you that don't know me, I'm one of the ministers here at Hyde Park. I'm usually over in 11 Magnolia and down at the Portico. Really grateful to be with you. And just before we start, I just want to say, if you're new, if this is your first time, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, no matter what you believe or don't believe, no matter what you know about the church or Christ or God, I want you to know that you are welcome here. You're welcome to find your spot as we uh, live out our mission to make God's love real. So we're really glad that you're with us today. Uh, before we start, I just want to say a, a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads together. God, I uh, give thanks uh, for the opportunity to attempt to put words around a scripture that's powerful and challenging and make it applicable here in this time and place. I pray that my words might aid and not be an obstacle. Open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to your spirit. Tell us what we should do and perhaps what we should not. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, congratulations. You've done it. Each one of you, 100% participation in worship in 2019. Y'all are killing it, out of the gate well. Good. So, qu quick question, how many of you, by show of hands, I'm, I try to get people engaged a little bit, how many of you have done resolutions or goals? Up high. Well, we have one uh, goal getter in the choir. <laughs> Michael? Um, how about out here? How many people did goals, resolutions? Eh? High, high. Okay. How about up top? Okay, so accountability time. One person from this side that would share some resolution or goal they have. Shout it out. Yes. Sermon's going to go a lot quicker if you participate. <laughs> um, this side. Listen with the, that sounds like St. Francis. Nice work. Okay, this side. It's one. one. Say again. Less sarcastic. I've already failed. <laughs> and then up top, please. Just somebody from, from the balcony. One goal or resolution. Just shout it out. Get a job. Your parents want you to fulfill that as well. <laughs> you know, I think there's something about New Year's, there's something about the New Year being kicked off that makes people, makes me, makes us want to renew our hopes, want to renew our dreams. We want to renew goals, make goals for our lives. January seems to be a time for intentionality. It allows us, usually in December, to kind of reflect on where we've been, where we want to go, what we want to shoot towards. And many of us, me included, have set physical, financial, work, family, and maybe even spiritual goals. Some people identify a word that they kind of have for their year. Other people make a vision board and hang it up. It's too much work for me. But really, my hope is that whatever you set out, 
whatever goal or resolution that you've established for yourself, every word that you've kind of created to think that live into, I hope that you fulfill that in 2019. Because 2019 will be an adventure no matter what. Because it always is, isn't it? And what I want to challenge you today is that God is inviting you and me and us on an adventure too. The adventure, the goal, the goal that I would challenge you, for those of you back here who don't have any, to set for 2019 and for those of you that have to add, is in 2019, what if one of your goals was to become more like Jesus this year? What if on December 31st, at the end of 2019, you could look back and say, somehow, some way, by the grace of God, I am more loving than I was on January, whatever today's date is. That's why we plan this series. We believe that following Jesus is the most satisfying and the most challenging adventure we'll ever embark upon, ever. It's an adventure with twists and turns, with darkness and light, peaks and valleys, great joy, and you all know, deep sadness, too. It requires time, commitment, courage, and there will be obstacles, won't there? And we'll need people to come with us, but literally, we were made for it. From the spark when you were even thought of, you were made for this adventure. So Luke 4, what we're going to go through today and a little bit back, offers a roadmap to begin our adventure, to begin our mission, to be more like Jesus, to love God more, to love others, people around you, in your little tribes, in the choir, and people you don't even like. That's the other part, to love people outside our circles too. It's a worthy endeavor. And as a church, we are embarking on a vision plan. You've probably heard about it. And I want to say to you, that's going to guide us for years to come so that we can reach more people for Jesus Christ. Also a worthy endeavor. So the Christian calendar, some of you know what it is. When I first came to church, I had no idea, but it's called the lectionary. And in the lectionary, it places this story that Flossie did so beautifully at the beginning of the year for good reason. Because in Luke, not so in Mark and Matthew, but Luke, Jesus first returns to his hometown to give his inaugural speech to the public right after his baptism and right, at, right after being in the desert. And Mark and Matthew, it comes later. So the hearers in his hometown would have been his friends, his family, people who had kn knew him long ago. They would have been ready to hear Jesus because he proclaims who he is, his identity, and he also proclaims his mission, his ministry, what it's going to look like. And so our key verse that's on this, and I encourage you to have that handy, um, 
Let's read it together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the hometown peeps would have most certainly been looking forward to these words. They would, have been, they would have heard what he had already done in Galilee and the great works that he had done there. And they were probably in hopeful anticipation of what he was going to say and also what he was going to do for them. They most certainly would have known that the words that we just read came from a couple of different parts in Isaiah. First, Isaiah 61, although they didn't have verse and chapter then, right? But Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and then also another one from verse 5, uh, chapter 58. And you know, they also would have noticed something else that probably none of us really would know unless we're real deep studiers of the Old Testament and Isaiah. He left out something. He left out something on the second part of verse 2 which was about vengeance. That vengeance of the Lord would be that day. He didn't say that. So they probably would have known that when they heard that. So he's asserting here that he's the fulfillment of the prophecy. And out of the gate, it's going magnificently, just like you all being here on time. Coming great. But not for long. They were amazed by his words, what he had to say, his gracious words. They approved of him. Now, if today's uh, scripture was a tweet, it might read this. Hometown boy's warm reception turns to murderous rage. You see, the dramatic turn occurs when Jesus reminds his hometown people, the people, the good people in the church like that are sitting here today of their own stories. And it was hard. And I suspect it might be hard for us too. He said, the history of Israel in these two stories is that God favors the outsider rather than the insider. And if that wasn't bad enough, he also said, all those amazing works that y'all heard about so much in Galilee, none for you. None for you. Jesus highlighted a hated enemy, Assyrian, and a widow that wasn't a part of their tribe that these people wouldn't care about. That the Bible would tell them not to care about. That's when it pivoted. That's when it turned. Now, that's when the admiration and amazement turned to wrath in just a few short verses. Now, the 12-step community has a great saying and a great wisdom saying. I don't like it but because it's true. But it's this. Expectations are the foundation for resentments. The hometown folks weren't having their expectations met. This rings true here in this text. 
nationalism and self-protection kicked in and they drove them out to what was called the Mount of Precipice to throw them off the, the hill. And here's a picture of it, if you can see it up there. It's a real high steep and it's rocky and it's, it's, it's quite menacing looking over the, the top of it. So what does that have to do with us? Huh? What does it have to do with me? I started to ask myself this question this week. And I, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we're truly honest with ourselves, that sometimes this can happen to us too. We get stuck as the church and as individuals and as groups on our likes and preferences. The way we think things should be in church. Style of music, a way of doing things that might reach out to new people that doesn't really resonate with us. Or maybe even the red carpet can throw people into angst and fury. Maybe not murderous. Although Jesus did say anger is like murder. You see, sometimes I know for me this is true. I don't know if this is true for you, but I, I think it's true for me. Sometimes I say, I want to love, I want for God's love to love all, but in application, not really if I have to give something up that I like. Because it's difficult to embrace differences, to love people outside of our tribes and our circles and our preferences. We prefer comfort, knowing the way things should be. But the problem I think Jesus is saying to them and might be saying to us, maybe, is that that makes it all about us, the insiders. Focusing on our own spiritual well-being our own being fed or our own needs takes us perhaps at times away from where Jesus is asking us to focus. You see, I think what, I think what the way it spoke to me may not speak to you this way, but Jesus was saying to them, you see that God's love in the church are not just for you. They're for people you don't want it to be for too. They're for the people who are not yet here, who have not yet experienced the power and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And you've got to change so we can reach them. Mm. It's hard. So if we are to become more like Jesus in 2019, it's going to mean that you and me and Hyde Park in this community more intentionally love the poor, love the impoverished, and love people who aren't yet here. That's what it's going to take, I think. I can't exactly say what that might look like in your life. I don't even know what it might exactly look like for us. But I think that as we go on this journey, 
Luke will give us some guideposts so that we can check in on them. And this is on your uh, sheet. I want us to rewind to chapter 3. I wouldn't have expected you to read it before today, so I'll tell you very quickly what it's about. And if you don't know the story, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. So in Luke 3, John the Baptist is out in the uh, desert calling for everyone to repent and turn around and do stuff differently. And he's Jesus' cousin, and, and he's baptizing people, and he says this other guy's coming, and he's going to be more powerful than me, and he's going to baptize um, not with water, but with the Spirit and fire and blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus comes. He's there, right? And he says, here he is. And he, he surprises John and says, you've got to baptize me. So he does. And here's what I want you to get from this. Here, here's, here's what I want you to get. So Jesus goes down in, in the water and he comes up. It says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then when he came out of the water, there was this voice and it's proclaimed this. You are my son, beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And in that moment, Jesus was affirmed. He was affirmed about who he was, his identity. And that's the first guidepost, affirmation. God is calling you a son or daughter of God. For the smaller kids that are here, I want you to hear this and pay attention just for a minute. God loves you so much and there's nothing ever, ever, ever that can change how much God loves you. Nothing. And I would say that to each one of you too. You are loved by God. We actually have it as a sign as you come out of the portico campus. It says you are loved because we want you to remember you are loved. And see, in baptism, whether it happened when you were a little kid or it happened recently or some years ago and you can actually remember it, the Holy Spirit descends upon you and unleashes itself in a new and powerful way so that you can know that you're good. Not because... You are good, but because God is good and made you good. So, affirmation. That's the first guidepost. What I found so fascinating is right after that happened, I mean like immediately, there's nothing else. Luke doesn't tell us anything else. Uh, he says this. He says that he's full of the Holy Spirit. So it descends. I, I guess if you heard God out loud, you would be full of it too. But it says it led him to the wilderness. That the Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted. Not that the Spirit would do the tempting, but that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And there's a lot of different books on all that stuff, but power, prestige, possession. Wrestling with all that. Instinctual desires that are out of whack. We all have it. So he's out in the desert and he doesn't utter a public word until he, after he gets out. So here's the thing. During our adventure of trying to become more like Jesus, whether it's taking up some, some 
some small groups to really study and know more about Jesus or taking a step out to serve more or staking, taking a step out in our prayer life to become more regimented about serving or whatever it is that we do, I want to say to you a signpost for you, a guidepost to know that you're on the right track is that you're tempted. You're actually tempted. Now, any of us know this. Uh, I, I, one of my goals was to eat more f- healthy this year and a bunch of other things. And last night at 12 o'clock, I was having a hard time sleeping, and I found out where the chocolate-covered pretzels were. (laughs) I did. And I'm not going to tell you whether I had one or not. (laughs) In my almost 14 years at Hyde Park, I can tell you that I have seen it in the newly baptized, and I've seen it in people who just joined the church, They start out of the gate, vim and vigor, going after this. But eventually, and usually subtly, they get sidetracked. I've seen it in long-term members, too. Faithful followers, Christians all their lives, whose engagement to loving God and their devotion to the church begins to wane. Subtly, slowly. And you know what? I too, at different times in my life, in my ministry, have been tempted at different times in a multitude of different ways. So I don't know how or when you'll be tempted. Some of you might be in that now. But I suspect it will involve abandoning the intentionality it takes to follow Jesus, to follow loving God and loving others, including those outside of our tribe, more intently. It'll be an enticement to take the wider, easier road. And it might even be subtle, It might come in a still voice that says something like, I don't know what you're doing if that really makes much of a difference. I don't know that you have to be there today. You know, you might be too busy to really join a small group and really study more about about Jesus, loving God. You, You probably have too much going on. Or you can't serve. Look how broken your life is. You'd be a big hypocrite. Nobody knows about that. What if they knew about that? Could you serve? Or maybe you have doubts about this whole Jesus thing, about who the church says he is. How can you be a part of something that you doubt? Or maybe don't forgive. Don't you remember what that person did to you? Got to hold on to that. No matter what the temptation, no matter what shape or size it comes in, no matter whether it comes when life is good, which often happens, or when life is challenging, or we're in the daily rinse and repeat of life, no matter when the temptation comes, we have the Holy Spirit to be with us. And we have each other. 
And that's why we have small groups. That's why we have a serving group like this group who does a magnificent job of taking care of one another. That's why we have small groups starting this week and we have men's groups, we have prayer groups, all kinds of things. And if you're not in one, think about it. It'll change your life. The last guidepost comes from our key verse again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. First, Jesus was affirmed. I hope you've experienced that. Second, Jesus was tempted. You're going to experience that. And lastly, He was empowered. He was empowered to do the work and to say the words that He did in His hometown There's a mystic, it's one of my favorites. Her name is St. Teresa of Avila. She has this this quote that's pretty well known. I'm going to share it with you. And and I challenge you, if you really hear this, if you really hear this in a new and different way, the Spirit's going to change your life. Christ has no body on this earth but yours. Christ has no hands and no feet on earth but yours. You are the eyes through which Jesus looks with compassion on this world. You are the feet with which he walks to do good. You are the hands through which he uses to bless the entire world. Without you, there is no body of Christ. You are the hands and the feet and the eyes and you are his body, brothers and sisters. Christ has none but yours here and now. I'm looking at the Rollins out there and it made me think of a story I read this week. Came out of uh, the seminary that they served at. Peter, it was about Peter Story, known prophetic South African Methodist minister. He preached here, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. He's an amazing guy. But he said, and this, this article was written about him, and one of the things he said, kind of quickly, he said, part of it was about, you know, the church loves to speak truth to power, sometimes, and then what it, de- what it doesn't really like to do is speak truth to the church. So that was one part of it, but that's not the part I want to tell you about. The part I want to tell you about is that he says, we Methodists sometimes get so wrapped in spiritualizing and uh, worshiping Jesus that we're not following him. Ugh. So he used an old-time reference way back when Wesley set up the structure of the Methodist meetings. John Wesley, our founder, started with uh, some big group gatherings, and then he had smaller gatherings called classes, kind of like small groups. And in these small groups, they would ask these really important questions every week, right? And so one of the most important questions, one of the first questions they asked that John Wesley would have them ask was really powerful, and it was supposed to be kind of a a, a litmus test for your faith, right? Like, how are you doing in your faith walk? How are you doing following Jesus, right? But apparently, this is what Peter's story said, three or four decades later, they dropped it. And they added this one. And I bet some of the long-term Methodists are going to know what this one is. How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? 
Not a bad question, right? It's a good question. But it's about us. Me. Do you want to know what the question was that they dropped after Wesley was gone? What have you done this week for the poor? Mm. That's the that's the question Jesus might ask us. We know it's the question Wesley would ask us. What if we in 2019 asked ourselves that question more often? What would it look like for us? Now, some of you might think, I don't know where to start. I don't even know anybody that's that poor, or maybe I know some people, and they're kind of frightening to me. But I have some good news for you. You can begin right right here in this congregation. There's ways for you to do it. Be a part of Open Arms some way, shape, or form. There's 200 folks who are poor and homeless in the activity center every single Sunday. Don't have to give them anything. Don't have to solve their problem. Just have to be present and see the divine in them. Maybe sign to serve up, sign to serve in the cold night shelter overnight when it gets below 40 degrees and we open ourselves up as a cold night shelter to everybody in the community who is poor and doesn't have a place to lay their head, having a hard time finding people to serve, you know, the 3 a.m. shift. Or, like you heard Debbie say, Dunbar Elementary. Do you know 98%, talk to the principal this week, 98% of those children are on free or reduced lunch? Do you know that Almost half of them aren't on reading level. It's half of that elementary school. Some of you have time. Some of you could read to those kids. Or you could go get a book and bring it back. Or two or more. The poor. The impoverished. Or maybe you could come to the portico. I'm a little biased there. And learn about the Portico Workforce Housing. We could talk to Joe afterwards about it. Where we help people who have jobs get into safe housing. Or, if none of that floats your boat, come down to the memorial that we're going to have for the 40 people that died on the streets of Tampa this last year. Homeless. And listen to their names read. And look at their names that will be on a wall at the portico so we can remember those people who nobody else remembers. I'd like for you to close your eyes as I read our verse one last time. But I change subtly one word. Close your eyes, please. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent us to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Us to let the oppressed go free. Us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Brothers and sisters, open your eyes. Today, today, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. The adventure awaits us all. The question is, who's coming? Let's pray together. God of light, God of resolutions and goals and love, the God of the insiders and the outsiders, be with us as we go out forth from here. Show us what to do, what not to do. May we ask that question. May we worship you. May we follow you. May we care about people. Lots don't. But in all things, help us to make God's love real. We ask all of these things in the God that sends us, Jesus the Christ. Amen.